So I think without further ado, we, we'll kick off. Uh, so let me wish you all a very good morning and a very warm Irish welcome and a very cold Swedish morning to the first Nordic edition of Enterprise Ireland's Cybersecurity Innovation Series. We have a, a pretty action-packed morning ahead of us where over the space of the next 90 minutes or so, I hope you you leave us this morning knowing more about the Nordic cybersecurity market than you did previously via our friends at Radar Ecosystem Specialists, who are represented today by Rickard Werner, that you'll learn more about how Ericsson are using commercial off-the-shelf tools to rapidly build security into 5G networks. And finally, and, and probably most importantly for Enterprise Ireland this morning, more about some of the latest cybersecurity technology and innovation coming from Ireland, which is solving some of the most prevalent issues being faced by enterprises, the economy and society today. For those of you maybe who have not heard of Enterprise Ireland previously, we are the Irish government's trade and innovation agency. In Ireland, we invest in the most innovative companies through all stages of their growth. Internationally, our goal is to build successful long-term business relationships between international customers and Irish partners. And I am delighted uh, to have five of those innovative companies with us here this morning to present. So without further ado, and I'm very conscious that we have a quite packed schedule and a limited amount of time, I would like to present our first speaker this morning. Please join me in welcoming Rickard Werner, who is a senior analyst covering cybersecurity development in the Nordic region with Radar Ecosystem Specialists. Radar is the leading provider of fact-based insight for the Nordic IT industry and IT decision makers. And Rick get us here this morning to guide us expertly through some of the nuances of the cybersecurity sector in the Nordic market. So a very warm welcome to you, Rick. Thank you for that, Hugh. Let me start with uh, telling you a little bit uh, who I am. Who's Richard when it comes to uh, cybersecurity? Let's start from the beginning. My interest in uh, computers started with, uh, with my dad, sort of trading his uh, car stereo for a Commodore 64. And that one thing is probably what got me into cybersecurity uh, years later. Born in the 80s and almost got uh, busted in the 90s for breaking into, uh, let's say, multinational corporation, manufacturing shoes and clothes, uh, a company with uh, more than two stripes, uh, if you know. <clears throat> However, around the millennia, I started doing mostly uh, good things instead. And in the last 20 years, I've been in an organization that's, uh, let's say, on the lighter side of the gray spectrum, uh, even thanked by the FBI, which in all honesty was pretty awesome. So in short, uh, started out maybe a little bit uh, as a bad guy, but the bad guy turned good guy uh, somewhere along the way. And I'm here uh, in my role as an advisor and analyst to share a little bit about uh, where we are today. Talk uh, a little bit about cybersecurity trends uh, from our perspective uh, and the market, and perhaps focusing a little bit about some of the parts that's necessarily not in our regular reports that we publish. So, uh, mm. Let, let's just kick things off with uh, what's really driving the things here. What are the drivers? Uh, 
when it comes to Sweden. Just think for a second about why we need to protect our digital assets. Without working information flows, pretty much everything else uh, ceases to function. And we're pretty uh, much all digital information today. So protecting means digital protection. And uh, this, especially this last year has been really eventful. So what has really happened in the last year for us then? The pandemic was a huge catalyst for IT transformation, all right? Working from home has become somewhat of a norm in Sweden as well. Even if uh, the businesses now are mostly trying to get people back into the offices in, to some extent. Because of this, there was an early investment cycle concentrated in and around the end point, our workstations. We have an increasingly faster digitization, meaning even shorter cycles for IT. And when the shorter cycles are rewarded, the dynamic changes. With shorter cycles, a more careful approach is replaced with a high risk taking. So organizations focusing on innovation show a general lesser prioritization of security. That's where we are today. The data uh, to us has shown that there's a clear risk of over-prioritization of innovation uh, here in Sweden. There's a new behavior. Even our purchasing behavior has changed. Our expectations on our vendors have somewhat shifted from we're demanding innovation, everything must be innovation, into we must have a resilient IT. So we're moving from a demand of innovation into resilient IT. And this was especially expedited by the increase of, uh, let's call it digitization in uncontrolled environments, such as uh, the home of our employees. Data, data has become an important asset for all organizations. I mean, this is, uh, this is nothing new. Access to more and better data makes it easier for us to build, uh, I mean, knowledge. And this in turn has led to the explosion of new services and new business models uh, and everything that we basically see today. Innovation has become data-driven. And with that, the need for cybersecurity has dramatically increased. To meet the threats of tomorrow, new strategies are evolving. We've known for, for ages that the weakest link uh, is mostly the human factor, wherever we turn. We're moving from defining, let's say, safe areas in our defense <clears throat> into uh, other concepts such as uh, zero trust. Zero trust basically means Never trust, but always verify. Don't trust any devices, and there really are no such things as, uh, as safe zones. It's a really popular concept for uh, everything uh, today, 
except if you have a legacy, which no one has, right? Nobody has legacy. So security, we know security is always about a compromise, whether it's about the user's productivity uh, or the budget or the user's happiness. And let's, uh, let's, let's try and see if I can address and talk a little bit about the forces behind the compromise, the compromise today, the compromise that's basically more or less everything uh, I've addressed uh, so far. We are driving digitization at a fast pace. We know this because that's what we need to do in order to stay competitive and basically in business, right? However, security can often be perceived as an opposite force. Both of these are often handled separately with their own management, their own KPIs, and their own agendas. Our basic challenge today and where we need to compromise is the joining of the two agendas, digitization and security. They need to digitize the business in order to survive. They need to keep it secure in order to survive. By looking at our data uh, from our research, we already know that the majority of our uh, Swedish digitization initiatives lead to lack of information security. Are both agendas so important? Yes, they are. We need both. Uh, like I said, both are essential in order to survive as a business. But it's not fair uh, without talking about who we really, really are up against. So remember the picture I started with? This picture, this guy, a man in a hoodie and his face masked. It's a pretty classic stereotype of the so-called hacker. What I should have showed you is probably something more like this. Group of people working on their code where it's just business as usual. Their office working like you and me, getting the pay for rent, getting the pay for food, etc. This is also more accurate when it comes to where, uh, where we in Sweden perceive the threats to originate from. I'm on purpose here just showing you the medium and high risk types. And it's pretty clear that we have the largest issues with the internal, like employees, and the organized crime types. Outside of state-sponsored and perhaps uh, politically motivated threat actors, there are a few things that, are, that sort of uh, fit together uh, that have a common denominator here. And that is the so-called darknet or the dark web. Perhaps uh, I think most of you know, but those uh, who don't know deep web, the deep web is basically the part of the web not indexed by any search engines. And the dark web is a small part of this deep web. 
mostly not commonly accessible with uh, ordinary browsers and uh, things like that. I can pretty much talk for hours about the common types of security incidents, but I think it's pretty much common knowledge while this darknet thing is not. And before we move along, uh, let me just refresh on the top types here. We have account credential issues like username passwords, uh, brute forcing. We have denial of service attacks like taking you offline from the internet. We have different types of malware where ransomware is, uh, let's call it quite popular these days uh, as our sort of main incidents type types. And what do they all have in common here? Well, for starters, it's all easily available for, for anyone. And just for fun, I thought it might be a, a little bit enlightening. Uh, I'm going to show you a few samples from, uh, I did a quick browsing session yesterday. So uh, I'm gonna let you peek in into what's being offered here on the darknet on some of the forums. This is someone who's been selling denial of service as a service. So it's not only the good guys doing business, moving everything as a service, right? So uh, if you're uncertain, you can just hand them uh, the target and they'll go down for like 10 minutes and the rest is negotiable. The cost, you may ask, it's about a couple of hundred dollars, depending on length, size, and target. So it's not really a lot of money here. Let me see what's wrong with the lightning here. <laughs> what more do you think that you can find here? Passwords, of course. Why not subscribe? to new usernames and password combinations that are regularly updated every week. See here, first month is $300 and $150 every month after that. So it's all uh, e easily and readily available to everyone. So how about if you don't want to blackmail with the uh, denial of service or use high credentials uh, in mass. Well, you can always purchase a completed bridgehead into a company, the access. In this case, someone is uh, selling uh, in, uh, the entry point into a financial company. It's complete for you as a bad guy to start a business and exfiltrate as much sensitive data as possible or whatever you want to do. And what do you think happens next year? Well, you're asked to pay either behind closed doors or very much in public, just like uh, uh, these guys. Here's a recent example of a Swedish company suffered from ransomware and they refused to pay. And as you can see, it's quite recent. It's only like uh, two months ago. Uh, the whole data dump with sensitive information was made publicly available since they didn't pay and you shouldn't. 
even if it's like in this case, uh, it included highly sensitive stuff like medical records of employees and stuff like that. Uh, remember, these guys are criminals. They don't really care. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's just another perspective of the why uh, cybersecurity is important. It's not just uh, the business uh, uh, agreements like uh, uh, your business operations. It's also about uh, uh, legislative stuff like protecting the data, GDPR, and everything that comes uh, with it. We know that security is always a compromise, and um, and how you as you and we as an organization should compromise has to do with our own uh, sort of maturity, our own. Uh, digital security maturity. We at Radar, we have a security maturity model. And what you see here is a simple rating of all organizations ranging from immature over to mature. Since we started measuring in 2018, uh, well, a little bit before that, but since 2018, we've only moved from about 11 to 16% uh, by today. Uh, that can be considered uh, mature when it comes to security. And this is measuring both uh, strategically and operationally. So the big question here is, are we spending enough or perhaps counterintuitively too much on security? Well, out of all of our IT spend, it's only about 5% that's being spent on cybersecurity. In average, it's not that much. With every organization so digital, any digital risk is a business risk, right? And looking at it from a total business perspective, we have 5% out of the IT spend, which in turn might only be like 2% of the total spend. So we have 5% out of the 2%. Not really that much protecting our whole business, right? When asked, the Swedish IT decision makers agree. Well, they agree at least that it's not in general too much in most cases. And remember, this is only from the 5% IT spending perspective. An educated board of directors would say it's not enough given the risks. So who's really doing the decision-making when it comes to cybersecurity? It's not the CIO, it's not the IT manager, it's not the security officer, information security officer, but rather the managing director. And this of course goes back to both maturity and organizational size, but it tells us something important. It's rarely who it should be that actually makes the decisions. And before we, we sort of wrap things up, I want to address something for all of you listening that are perhaps more of the vendor side of things. And that is, what does this mean for the market? Well, we have a market that's more than half uh, consists of uh, technical security, followed by operational, which is stuff like incidents, response, uh, SOC, uh, CEM pen testing, etc. 
And last is uh, strategic, which also covers regulatory and classification stuff. So pretty much 80% of all of our spending is within technical and operational cybersecurity. And these areas are growing. The growth have historically been highest with the technical, but a development uh, very focused investments last year, uh, we've seen this turn sort of turning around again. Technical has hit an all-time low because we're now focusing on fixing our problems that are perhaps not solved with technical issues. Cybersecurity investments are currently a lot within the strategic side. And if you're a vendor listening, uh, there's a lot more data you can get from either you or me uh, afterwards. So don't be a stranger. And with that, I want to say thank you for listening. Uh, this concludes my brief uh, look into the Swedish cybersecurity landscape. Feel free to email me, drop me a DM on my public Twitter, or just reach out to Hugh if you have any questions not suitable uh, for this forum. All right. Again, thank you. Rickard, thank you so much. Um for that thorough and insightful overview of the cybersecurity market in, in the Swedish market. And, and as you mentioned, there's some interesting, if not frightening information, I think, for our attendees and our panelists to digest. Um, and I think it's it's very interesting in light of yesterday's news around the attack on GoDaddy, which uh, I believe um, 1.2 e million email addresses were compromised so I think from the point of view of what you've shown us today, that's readily available at, at a very small price on the dark net. It's, it's uh, certainly a lot for, for uh, companies and companies in the space to consider. Richard, if I could just ask one question before we move on to the next um, speaker. We have a, a, a cohort of Irish companies that are here today to, to pitch their solutions within cybersecurity, and they have really an interest in understanding where there are opportunities in the Nordic market. And it, it might be the $64,000 question for you, but if you had one piece of advice for our Irish companies as they look to approach the Swedish and the Nordic market, what would that advice be? I would say, uh, depending on who you're speaking to, uh, the, uh, we are now more and more talking about business risk. So it's no longer uh, an IT an IT problem. It's no longer an IT sort of risk. It's a business risk. Cybersecurity has become a risk to the business. And it's, uh, I don't know if we should thank or what we should do, but all of the attention from media and all of these big breaches and leaks, uh, they're sort of gotten the attention from uh, board of directors and management and things like that, which really needed to happen but it's, uh, uh, it, it could have happened in a better way, right? But uh, the attention is coming. So uh, addressing business risk. <laughs>